you make sure you know, is this going to be a cure or does it just cover symptoms? Yes. And as we know, the Ritalin, the Ritalin only covers the symptoms. Right. You ask how long people get it. I asked the doctor that. He said, oh, a couple of years, the rest of his life, which whatever, however long it's useful to him. So the longer you take a drug, the harder it is on your kidneys and liver because every drug processes yeah. through your kidney and liver. I prefer to keep my kidney and liver as clean as possible. So when I do need drugs, they'll be ready to go. Are you aware of the hidden dangers that may come with taking medications and that most long-term side effects of common medications are still not well known? Personally, that really freaks me out. It's so crucial to understand the importance of being your own health advocate when it comes to managing your health and well-being. Welcome back, athletes. I'm your host, Sherry Shaban, and with each episode, I am honored to be your coach and guide in the journey to fall in love with fitness and ultimately yourself. My intention in each episode is to help you release the old story of who you are and step into the one you are always meant to be. Through these conversations, together we will step away from focusing on the doing and step into the being so that health and fitness is not just what you do, but who you are. In this episode, Suzanne Rabati, founder of MedShadow.org and an FDA consumer representative on drug safety and side effects, shares her personal experience of being harmed by a medication and the importance of being your own health advocate. We discuss the risks and side effects of medications, the need for awareness and research, and the power of listening to your body that inner wisdom that's always there, that most oftentimes we tend to ignore or overlook. Suzanne emphasizes the importance of understanding the long-term side effects of medications and making informed decisions about your health. When you listen to the full episode, you're gonna immerse yourself in her captivating narrative and gain valuable knowledge that could potentially reshape your approach to healthcare. Today, you're gonna be walking away with these key takeaways. Number one, the importance of understanding the risks and benefits of prescribed drugs. Number two, the negative effects of opioids on the body. Number three, the importance of personal decision-making. Number four, what are the body's regenerative abilities? Number five, the importance of sleep hygiene and lifestyle choices. Now, just as one final reminder before we jump into it at Meet Suzanne, If you rate and review this podcast, giving me a five-star review and send me the screenshot to Sherry at SherryShaban.com so that I know who you are, I'm going to grant you a $500 voucher to join me in Transformation in Paradise, Metamorphosis, Greece, this October, October 12 to 19 in Lafcada. Now, if you're struggling with self-sabotaging behavior and other non-serving habits that have been keeping you from your highest self and keeping you from hitting your health goals, then I'd love for you to join. This will be the retreat for you and it is life changing. If you wanna check out the testimonials from previous retreats so that you know what you're about to get into, you can head on over to sherryshaban.com forward slash retreats and check out what we've had in the past. All right, athletes, now without further ado, let's dive into it and let's go ahead and meet Suzanne. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. So good to see you again. Lovely having you back and getting a chance to talk to you again. We got into some really interesting conversations. And I think one of the ones that kind of came up was like, Sherry, I don't know that if I'm the right fit for the show because you're looking for more of like a fitness person. So 
I'm just curious actually to bring, to bring that up and, and how are you feeling about that now? I feel good. I myself am very into fitness yeah. and I've always been physically active. I'm working with a trainer now who is very, he's, he's a motion specialist mm. and he's very into getting my body in balance, left and right, top to bottom for longevity in sports. I love, I love my trainer. And based on his encouragement, when I started to see him, I could not raise my right arm beyond the, okay, I'll say it, beyond the Heil Hitler level. I apologize for the reference, yeah. but that's the best description of it. And I had not been able to for more than a year, despite physical therapy and a cortisone shot and other things. I'd had an, even had an x-ray of it, which showed a lot of arthritis, but he said, you know, congratulations to the doctor who read the thing. He said, that arthritis is not bothering you. It's not, I can see it's not near any nerves and someday it'll bother you, but not today. So anyway, I decided to just keep working out and I got a new trainer and, you know, we worked around it and it turned out to be this guy, Chris, who's wonderful. And he not only got my, turned out that my scapula was completely disengaged and wasn't doing anything. Mm. So he kind of reactivated my scapula, got my shoulder complex moving again. And then two years ago, during the pandemic, when everybody else learned Portuguese and how to bake bread and all this cool stuff, and I realized I had done nothing but, <laughs> you know, read novels and watch TV, thought, well, I should do something. And I, I used to love tennis when I was younger. Mm. So I took up tennis and I, took it up at, yeah, I'm 67 and I can uh, play tennis for three hours without a break in the sun in New Jersey in July and August. I can play three, four times a week when, when I'm quote unquote in season is summer for me. So I'm out of season now. So I play twice a week, only for an hour one day and an hour and a half the other day. And I work out twice a week with the trainer and it feels great. I don't have I don't take any medicines. I don't have any aches and pains. I'm I'm happy. I walk 10,000 steps a day without thinking about it. This Great. is amazing. This is amazing. And more amazing because what's so beautiful about the story that you shared is that you're just, you're sharing the story of something that you're doing right now, the type of training that you're doing, but nobody really understands what's behind all of that. And so I know, Sue, you are the founder of medshadow.org. You are an FDA consumer representative on drug safety and drug side effects, and you're an expert in this field. And the reason for that is because you were harmed by a medicine called DES that was given to your mother while she was pregnant and as a result was unable to have children and unable to have children and, and generations after. And so this is this is a big and beautiful inspirational story and if you have a moment maybe to expand on it and just share a little bit of why you've come across this work why this is important to you and of course how you've even gotten to the place where you are sitting as a representative in the fda and you're also having having a say and a take in that thank you sure you did a summary after my mother is given this drug as we're between five and ten million women in pregnancy. The FDA had approved it very inappropriately. It was bad science. It was easy science to see that it was wrong, but this happened. And it was given to women, pregnant women between the years of the mid-1940s until 1971. I was, I was born before 1971. I'm 67. You can do the math. So um, 
And I found out when I was a teenager that I would never be able to have children because diethylstilbestrol, which is DES, is a synthetic estrogen. Very powerful, much more powerful than any estrogen your body can produce. And it was given to my mother and other women in mass quantities. So you really can't fool around with the human body like that without expecting a consequence. And and not every consequence will be positive. They were told that it would keep them from miscarrying and that they, they didn't take it, they would miscarry, which also turned out not to be true. Science learns more as it learns more. But what it did do for many, many of the offspring was it affected their fertility organs. Mm. So my case is a little unusual. In my case, my fertility organs just didn't mature. Much more typical would be, say, T-shaped uterus or a tilted uterus, fallopian tubes that were perhaps not, not connected correctly, cancers of that area. There is a DES daughters, which is what I would be considered. My mother would be a DES mother. The DES daughters were, there was a very rare disease, cancer called CCA, clear cell adenocarcinoma, that the medical community had never seen in a woman under the age of 95. It was a specific vaginal cervical cancer. And they had suddenly had a, a pod of seven young girls who had it in Boston. Wow. And that was how they understood it was DES. Wow. So the interesting thing to note about that so many interesting things to know about to note about that was that the effect DES had on me was pretty immediate. It happened at the time. The effect it had on other people also could, but it then had a delayed effect. Twenty years later, after being exposed to this drug, these young women were having a rare cancer. And then twenty years after that, we found in the community of ES daughters early onset breast cancer. Of course, they were exposed to tons of estrogen. When you go back to the DES mothers, were fine when DES was coursing through their bodies and they were pregnant, but they have a much higher rate of breast cancer at the normal ages than the average woman. And the men, DES sons also had some tumors all around the penis and, and other things. So for a lot more information, you can go to DES Action. The because diethylstilvestrol is also an endocrine disruptor, the grandchildren are probably affected. So if you have an unexplained fertility and you're trying to have children now, and if your grandmother is still alive or if your mother is around to ask her if they know anything about DES, it's a real possibility. But so that taught me that the medicines you're exposed to don't necessarily affect you only today, mm. but can follow you throughout your life which is why I started med shadow, med for medicine, shadow because drugs will follow you. But I do want to say one other thing that's very pertinent to your topic. Um, when I became a teenager and realized that I was I had a normal body, that it had failed me in such a core way. Mm. Ugh, I don't normally go quite there, but it had failed me. It, I had trouble trusting my body ever again. There was a real disassociation between my body and my mind for many years. There also, DS had so many harms beyond the physical ones. It, As you can imagine, the relationship between the DS mothers who took this drug, most of them unwillingly, because it was not a generation that took drugs a lot, but took it to, to have babies, suddenly had babies who couldn't have babies themselves. Mm -hmm. And how bad did they feel? Right, right. So um, 
I will resent DES and the manufacturers and the and the scientists who didn't do their job forever, not because I can't have children, but because they disrupted my trust in my own body and they hurt my relationship with my mother. Anyway, that's why I feel so passionately that everyone deserves to understand what the risks are with a drug, a prescribed drug, an over-the-counter drug, to know that risk along with the benefits. Everyone will tell you the benefits. It's on the ads. It's on the box. The doctor will tell you. But, you know, at MedShadow, we don't accept, we're nonprofit. Mm -hmm. We don't accept grants or subsidies or any kind of support from pharmaceutical companies. I don't like them. I will take drugs when I need them. Nobody gets out of here without it. They'll extend your life. And God knows if I get hit by a car, I want Western medicine. But short of that, I am going to do my very best to stay as healthy as I can Mm -hmm. so that I don't need drugs and thereby open myself to risks that you can't calculate. You really can't really know. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow, Sue. What a beautiful share. And thank you so much for being so open and for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us and also for being the advocate of what most people are actually unaware of. And it's not often that we hear someone actually come forward and and share what you've just shared. And it does seem innocent. And it's super interesting because, you know, you're sharing from your perspective the importance of you being your own advocate for your health and doing the research and also understanding that with every single medication that we take, there is a side effect and we need to be very well aware of that. And also question, especially if something hasn't been studied long enough, also to question that and and just how long it's been in existence. And and oftentimes what we are seeing is that most people will go to see the doctor for whatever reason, whatever pain, whatever, you know, thing that they're going through and believe that the magic answer is there. And that comes not only to our health issues with pain, with diseases, but also with nutrition and fitness is what I've seen. And it's interesting because I've heard from so many doctors giving the advice to stop a sport completely when there's an injury instead of offering solutions and ways to actually support the situation. And I've also had have heard stories of doctors prescribing and recommending certain extreme diets to patients or or giving them medications to help them release weight with major side effects, Ozempic being one. And that's that's my pet peeve. And so it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I feel like we're both coming at it from the same place. And I also want to add that I am not in any way disregarding doctor's advice. My daughter was supposed to compete last week in a competition. She fractured her ankle two months before and we were doing physio. It looked like she was about to do the comp. But when she went to see the doctor and she heard from the doctor that it's better that she sits this one out, we listen and we respect that because I agreed. I I saw why. And where she was coming from and I actually agreed and to your point risk reward it just wasn't there it did not make any sense yeah but yeah. I think what we also need to understand is that we also get to choose and we also get to decide what is right for us right and so it's not to again disregard what doctors are saying I come from a line of doctors both my parents were doctors my brother's a doctor and I've had two surgeries on my back and similar to you, I'm so grateful for Western medicine. I would not have been able to walk today. Maybe there was an alternative, but that one definitely worked for me and I'm so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And so there's that balance between the two, but I think what we're talking about is just awareness. 
is awareness. And I think that doesn't have to only come from us, the patient, the consumer, the receiver of the medication, but also the entire medical world to work together. Yes. And one of the things I learned, you know, yes, happened. I was, I was passive, you know, it happened to me. There was nothing that could be done about it. And, you know, you just go through life. But one point in my life, I had to turn into a health advocate and I didn't see it coming and I never knew it needed to happen. But if I can tell you the story about now it's 20 years ago, but I'd been married for quite a while and my husband and I had decided not to adopt, going to be child free. But my nephew, who at the time was 12, just, just turned 12, his there were problems at home and he had siblings, but he really needed another place to live. So we suggested that he come try living with us. And he moved from a very suburban area to New York City, which is where we live. He went from a public school, we put him in a Catholic school. And plus, you know, we know nothing about being parents, but you know, we'll give it a try. You do. So he arrives and um, we know that he had, his mother had had him diagnosed as ADHD earlier, but she has a different philosophy than I have. She's more, you know, uh, why struggle if you can use a pill? And I'm a struggler. We just have a different attitude. And so I got a phone call from the principal of the school after about two months and saying this, I call this kid because he deserves a little privacy too. This kid, my nephew, my kid is uh, a problem and he's got ADHD and He's lots of ADHD and you need to get him on Ritalin right away. And I said, how do you know? And he said, we know we're educators. We see it all the time. We know children. We know best. Trust us. And I said, I do trust you. I don't trust me at this point, but can you give us a little time to think about it? And that's a good thing to ask for. Even with a cancer diagnosis, there's almost always a little time for you to talk to your friends adjust to the concept, yes. change your expectations, do some research. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I haven't had a science class since intro to bio in, in 10th grade, mm-hmm. but I quickly, I called my doctor, I called my pharmacist. Um, uh, she didn't do that at that point. I instead called my friends and said, what do I do about this? And they said, well, you know, you don't get much choice when the school tells you you have to do it, you kind of have to do it. So muddled along and the the a month later, the uh, the principal of the school called up and said, okay, time is up. I've given you enough time. You know, he's disrupting classes. And I said, but we're terrible parents. He said, so what? You know, who's perfect? And get him Midland. So I took him to a specialist. I live in New York City. Specialists grow here faster than cockroaches. Everyone's a specialist. Everybody's the best specialist in the world here. <laughs> and so I went in and he saw my kid for 20 minutes and handed me a prescription and a bill for $450 and not covered by insurance and said, okay, here's a prescription for Ridland. He's totally ADHD. And if, don't worry, if this doesn't work, we can double it. If that doesn't work, we've got Wellbutin, Adderall. We will get this kid under control. I did not like a word of that sentence. So I well, I know the side effects of AD, of Ritalin, sorry, Ritalin, Adderall, Wellbutin, all have very similar side effects. And in New York, you can't go anywhere without hearing about it. But for those who aren't familiar with the side effects of 
ADHD drugs in general, it's insomnia, it's jitteriness, it's mood swings, it's appetite suppressant. So actually growth will slow. Some people say you catch up. How do you know? I don't know. So there's weight loss. There's also dry mouth and changes in blood and heart pressure. Those are just the immediate short-term ones. I said, what are the long-term effects of taking this drug? And he said, long-term effects. There are no long-term effects. Hmm. And I said, really? Because you're giving a drug that's supposed to act on a kid's brain and he's going to puberty. So can I see a study? And he said, oh, there are no studies, but I've been giving out this drug for at that point, 15 years already. I would just know. And I thought you would just, nobody, you're not looking for it. So that's when I, um, I took the prescription. I did not fill it. I called my internist. I called my friend, the pharmacist, and I asked them about studies. And it turned out that there are no studies that at the time that were longer than 332 days or something, which is not long-term enough for me. So, needless to say, I, uh, that poor kid never got that medicine. He struggled through school. The doctor said, you better give it to him because he will struggle in school. He will fail. It would hurt his ego and kids self-medicate. And this could be a downward spiral. There was no downward spiral. He had a lot of things to work through, as you can imagine, not being with his family at birth. But I, we were in a position where we could hire a diagnostician who could take four weeks to do various studies and to interview people in my kid's life. And do an in-depth diagnosis where we found out that, yeah, there's a little ADHD, but more importantly, we're three different learning disabilities that were all not really bad, but combined was causing trouble. So the things I learned there, you ask for time. Yes. You ask what happens if I don't take it. You consider options, alternate lifestyles, which I'll come back to because we did, obviously, you make sure you know, is this going to be a cure or does it just cover symptoms? Yes. And as we know, the Ritalin, the Ritalin only, only covers the symptoms. Right. You ask how long people get it. I asked the doctor that. He said, oh, a couple of years, the rest of his life, which whatever, however long it's useful to him. So the longer you take a drug, the harder it is on your kidneys and liver because every drug processes right. through your kidney and liver. I prefer to keep my kidney and liver as clean as possible. So when I do need drugs, they'll be ready to go. You don't want to exhaust them with drugs you don't need. You ask about the side effects and then, uh, and then you have to make your own decision because you know, nobody's going to live with the outcome, but you, my kid was going to have to live with the outcome of my decision on that. Yes. Whether it was good or not. And it's been now 20 years since that day, give or take. And there are some long-term studies coming out because it takes 20 years to do a long-term study. That's right. And they are finding, this is not conclusive, they are finding that 35 and 40-year-olds who took Ritalin for one to three years, or any stimulant, actually any any of the the four drugs I mentioned, or the three drugs I mentioned, um, are showing cardiovascular disease Mm. at the age of 35 and 40. It's not a conclusive connection yet. More science has to happen. But we learn. Right. We keep learning. Right. So wow. this is this is what I want everyone who's listening to do for themselves. Mm. I never did it for me until I learned by doing it for my kid. Right. Right. Yeah. So powerful. And and along those lines, and, and I know now we're talking about maybe 
let's say going to see a doctor and, and really advocating for ourselves in that particular scenario when there is a diagnosis. But what about all of us self-diagnosing on Google, right? We're yeah. all kinds of things on Google and, and getting a lot of actual misinformation because I don't think a lot of people are aware of the fact that anyone can start a blog and write about anything and publish it as fact. And the more views and popularity it has, like the more exposure it'll have. And so what are your thoughts on that, Sue? How can we maybe audit the information that that actually comes in that we actually receive as legitimate information? Right. I like to, I like to watch Instagram too. I don't watch TikTok, but I do watch Instagram. And it's fun. It's fun to see people create these meals and say, this is my, you know, 600 calorie a, a day diet. Right. But you know, you have to a, use some common sense. Nobody can survive on 600 calories a day. I don't care how nutrient dense they are. And they, they weren't that nutrient dense. Um, but you also have to consider the source. And even when you're on very big, very well-known health websites, if you're reading an article on GERD, on digestive distress, mm -hmm. and right next to it, you see an advertisement for a Pepsid, how right. in the weeds do you think that website or that magazine or that advertisement can get on? Yeah, you know, it is important to deal with GERD because long-term it can have some bad consequences with the base of your esophagus. However, consider lifestyle and food changes. I mean, you're causing the GERD by what you're eating. So maybe take the time to figure out what is causing your GERD. You might, you might have an, an allergy to wheat. You might be gluten might be, might be, who knows? It could be a lot of things. You might be eating too late at night, too early in the day, too right. much at one time. But if you take PPIs, which are generally what are prescribed, they have, they have an effect on your bone density, which nobody really wants to know. Mm -hmm. And they're, they encourage you to eat things that your body is telling you not to eat. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a reason why your body is telling you not to eat it. Listen to your body. Right. And if you ever try to stop taking those PPIs, there's though that category of drugs, along with insomnia pills, are famous for having a very bad rebound effect. Right. In fact, ibuprofen has a rebound effect. So for those who don't, I know you know what a rebound effect is, but for those who aren't familiar with it, it's exactly what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. You take it and the symptom goes away, but the minute you stop taking that drug, the symptoms come back and they come back harder and faster than they were before. And you either end up back on that drug for the rest of your life, or it's just more difficult to live through it, make the changes and get back to a healthy state. Because isn't, isn't that actually what we all want is right. just want to be healthy. Right. right. Oh my God. I love what you said about your body is trying to tell you something, right? And, <laughs> and think about it when we have pain, right? Even though we're like, oh, let's get a Tylenol. It's like my body's trying to tell me something. If I have indigestion and I keep eating that same thing, or maybe I'm eating right before bed and I never digest my food, my body's trying to tell me something, right? And so if yep. we actually listen to these cues, again, we can become a little bit closer to that inner wisdom that's already telling us what's going on, what we need to actually bring a lot more awareness towards. And so that's, this is a really great conversation. The body is such a miraculous and wonderful instrument. I mean, there are things like if you are in the early stages of diabetes, as long as your pancreas is still creating any insulin at all, 
you have a good chance of being able to reverse it completely. And your pancreas will then will then create the right amount of insulin and, and you'll be healthy again. It's not easy. If you drink too much, end up with you know liver disease. If you have any liver that's still functioning at all, you can reverse a lot of it. Your body will regenerate. It won't regenerate an arm if you cut it off. But most of your organs, uh, they're survival things. Your body is designed to survive. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. And and such a reminder also, maybe we just sit in it for a moment and, and maybe explore other options and possibilities before going to that medication right away. Take, take some time. So with, with, with our kid, um, we had a midland issue. A lot of it, part of it was he didn't have a backyard anymore. We live in New York City and we didn't even live near a playground, which I never noticed because we were child free. Right. So we had to find ways to give him more exercise. We signed up for martial arts. We uh, worked with some people who gave us good advice on nutrition. We stopped allowing him any soda at all uh, and bad foods. He was allowed one, one pizza a, <laughs> a week, but otherwise all bad. foods were home cooked or cooked from restaurants that we, that we knew and felt comfortable with no fast food at all, period. So we having whole foods. I'm so annoyed at that chain that took away the phrase whole foods from, from our conversation. It's right. difficult, but oh, I'm you could say it. yeah, yeah. Use eat your foods in their whole form. I right. guess I could say <laughs> eat the spectrum. We know this. If people are listening to this podcast, you know what you need to do. I have friends who say, I can't sleep. I have insomnia and you know, which is better, you know, which, which of the sleeping pills are better. And, and right. I know which ones are better and have fewer side effects. And I'm like, so sleep hygiene. And they're like, don't talk to me about sleep hygiene. And I'm like, but really, right. yeah. really, yeah. did you turn your screens off? Did you do this? Did you do that? Right. Don't, don't ask me anything about what meds to take until you have done your, your part of the job. Exactly. Yeah. So good. And you know, even when I travel and I don't know about you or anyone else listening, but if I travel for a good three, four hours, at least on an airplane, usually that's going to affect my digestive system. Yes. And it's like the most miserable thing for me. Like if, if I don't go one day, if I don't eliminate one day, oh my God, that drives me nuts, but I still won't take a laxative. I still won't take anything to like, I know what the side I'm like, I would rather just let my body do what it needs to do. I'm going to drink way more water. I'm going to walk more. Let's see, let things just take care of itself naturally than to than to take something to facilitate that because the long-term effect of that which is actually very quick is definitely something i don't want to deal with and to your point that'll be something that you'll be dependent on forever to always have to go rebound effect again exactly another problematical thing yes which is part of the problem with opioids of course yes there's so many problems and that's that's a podcast for another day <laughs> but one of the things they do is they slow down your systems and the system, it's when you swallow a pill, it affects all of your body. Let's remember that you may be taking it for a headache, but it's going to affect your gut and, you know, and your liver and everything else. So opioids slow down everything. So you become constipated immediately. Every single person does become constipated. So you end up on a laxative and the laxative causes water retention in your legs and feet. So you end up on a water pill. This is called a prescribing cascade. Right. And that's what happens. You open the door to one little thing for one little problem. It's the wrong door to open. You can avoid it. Once again, A, I'm not a doctor. And B, I'll take medicine when I need it. But I will take a lot of steps to, to avoid needing it. Wow. 
So good, Sue. I've loved this conversation and thank you so much for your time. So much value here. And I love this conversation because really fall in love with fitness is also really falling in love with yourself. It's falling in love with your body. And just even hearing you share earlier about that moment where you were disconnected from your body and just, just disconnected from self. I've been there before and you know, I've had surgery on my back twice. And so I've, I've been in the place where my body's failed me and I had to rely on other people to take me to the washroom even. And so I so resonate with that. And I feel when we have this space, when we have this platform and I get to meet people like you who are so inspirational, who are so driven in their mission, it is so important to share this and to really just have that conversation because there's someone out there listening that maybe is about to make a diagnosis right now or a decision around a diagnosis and have to take that medication. And so let's let's just give it a moment and maybe look for other possibilities and and explore that. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Thank you so much. And so if someone wanted to reach out to connect with you, Sue, where could they go to do that? Sure. Please, please come to the website or all of our social media. We're on TikTok and Instagram and X and Facebook, but it's Med Shadow Med because medicines and shadow because they will follow you for, for your life sometimes. And you can actually reach me directly. My name is Sue. It's S-U. There's no E. Sue at medshadow.org because we are a nonprofit. We don't accept any support from pharmaceutical companies. Amazing. Wow. So beautiful. Definitely check that out. Thank you so much, Sue. It was such a privilege and an honor to have you on the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember, you are an inspiration.